You know, I think that probably the more I, I get to know the Lord and the longer I serve Him, probably one of the most unexplainable, uh, inexplicable uh, responses to God's presence that I have, uh, that I'd never be able to wrap my brain around is uh, limp, lifeless praise. Like, like I, I, that's one of those things I just, I can't, I can't and just never, will never understand when we think about not only all that he's done for us, but just how deserving he is Amen. of our of our praise, and you know, one sort of uh, grandfather of this faith said one time, Christians ought to be celebrating constantly. Yes. Like when we Amen. we have a revelation of what God is, who God is, and what He's done. Like, like I want to know why we're not always all just running around going, "Oh, He's awesome! How awesome!" You know, I remember the first time I ever saw the Grand Canyon, and uh, this, like, I, it was, I had a physical reaction to actually seeing the Grand Canyon. When I saw it, it was, I could feel it in my chest, this, like, like, this sense of awe. And, uh, you know, when we come before the Lord, like, you know, it should be like seeing the Grand Canyon for the first time. And so I'll never quite understand spiritual complacency. I'll never quite fully understand apathy. I'll never quite understand those things because we, we live at the edge of the Grand Canyon, but even greater, you know. And, uh, and so, like, I don't know why we're not just constantly in awe. <gasps> wow, it's awesome. It's worthy of everything, everything, everything. So, uh, man, it's just good. Good to see you guys. Uh, I'm, I'm Lee. I'm the lead pastor here at Mercy Vineyard, and uh, welcome. Good to see you guys. Welcome our friends online. You guys are joining us online. I'm so happy. You guys, we made a small technical adjustment recently, and finally our lips match with our voice. <laughs> it only took like, you know, uh, almost a year to get there, but finally our, we are in sync. It just it took a little <laughs> software switch dumping one type of software, adapting another. And so, welcome, online worshipers. You're welcome. Um, so glad that you're here. Let's go ahead and put our vision statement up on the board. Let's say it together. We are living a passionate mission to love, grow, and go for the greater glory of God. That's what we are all about as a church, you guys. We're a church on mission. And... Uh, we're, we're growing in Jesus, we're loving each other, we're loving Jesus, and we're going, we're serving, we're moving forward as a church, y'all. And so today what we're doing, we're continuing our eight-part series on created in God's image to reign. I'm curious, how many people picked up the book? How many people grabbed that book? One or, one, one or two, okay, good. Y'all, pick it up, it's really good. It's a quick read. Uh, I know it's a long series, but if you think about it, we're doing one week for every chapter, which means it's only an eight-chapter book. So grab it. Grab it and read it and go through it. You'll be glad that you did. And uh, we're talking about how God created us to be, how we walk that out in life. Uh, grab it. Go to Amazon. Get it. Jeff Newburn is an old friend of the vineyard, and uh, he's just a great guy. How many people know Jeff? 
I think a few people know Jeff. Yeah, Jeff's a great guy. There's a last week. Jeff's even handling some of your finances. Jeff is a certified financial advisor, and uh, he's a good guy. And so last week we talked about being created in God's image. Uh, we talked about how God is king. We talked about what it means to be created in the, ki- in the, in the image of the king and what that is and, and hearing what's on the king's heart and, and making it manifest, creating it in the world. And uh, as, if you missed it, go back and listen to it. And so we're going to dig a little bit further into this, and I'm so excited about that. Real quick, let's read our, our key verse. It's uh, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. It says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals of the earth, the small animals that scurry along the ground. We just stop right there real quick and reiterate that God created you and God created me to reign, okay, to rule and to reign. And so uh, why is this so important? I think it's, this is super important because many of us have difficulty even reigning over our own lives. We have very difficult time just reigning over our own lives. Instead of, instead of reigning over our lives, we, uh, you know, we let circumstances reign over us. And so you ever, you ever get together with a bunch of guys? I think guys do this more than girls. But sometimes I'll get together with guys, and I'll be you know, in a circle full of guys who can barely run their own lives but have the answers to all the world's problems, <laughs> right? right? And so they're, they're all like sort of like armchair presidents and backseat you know, uh, rulers. You know, they're sort of kind of back there. And you all know what I'm talking about. I, I've, I've known many people like that in my life. And it seems like, and the worst condition their life is in, the more they know about what the world needs, right? And so, but God didn't create us to be reigned over by things like that, by uh, addiction or reigned over by all these things, you know, but instead God created us to, to rule and to reign. And so we'll talk a little bit about that. We talked about that a little bit last week. So God created human beings in his image. In the image of God created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food and the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made and saw that it was very good. Okay, so remember, uh, I remember when I was, uh, I, I might have told this story before, when I was like 14 years old. And uh, at 14, in my, the city that I grew up in, that meant you were a ninth grader. And in ninth grade for us, you, that was the top of junior high. So we had seventh, eighth, and ninth grade was junior high. I think they call that middle school here. Right, and then tenth, eleventh, and twelfth—that was high school—and you, then you graduated. And so for me, I was so excited because ninth grade meant I'm finally the king of the hill, right? So seventh grade, I got picked on. Eighth grade, a little bit less. Ninth grade, you better watch out, right? And I remember um, I was with my friend Kelly, 
and Kelly and I used to get in all sorts of trouble together. And uh, we used to do things that were just uh, dumb and mischievous. And I remember, you know, like, okay, here's an example. Trash night. You all know trash night, right? Everybody sets out their trash. Everybody sets out their trash. And the next morning, the trash cans, trash trucks come and pick them up and go. So on trash night, sometimes we would go around the neighborhood and take people's trash and put them towards the back of the driveway so they wouldn't be collected. Why not? Um, so, you know, there were times that we thought that an oncoming car that was coming down the road needed to be mooned. They needed to be. And so we might do things like that. So Kelly and I were kind of mischievous. We would do all sorts of things. Uh, to the point of, I remember one time, we, um, we actually took a bunch of tomatoes out of someone's garden. They sort of let, were left to rot. And so we, took the, we collected all the tomatoes and we tossed them into one of the neighbor's pools. And so we took all these rotten tomatoes, tossed them in the pool. And then we took a note, we took a note, and uh, the, the irony is we wrote the note on the back of a church connection card. And so we took the note and we said, uh, we knew that the person living there, her name was Debbie, and so we wrote, Dear Doggy, we don't want to swim in your tomato soup. And then we signed it, the names of three of the worst neighborhood bullies, so that they would get in trouble because we couldn't stand these kids. And we stabbed that note with a stick to a rotten tomato and we left it on the front porch. Within a half an hour, we were getting the daylights beat out of us by the neighborhood bullies because they figured out it was us. <laughs> I, I, I literally had a live firecracker placed in my underwear and uh, barely got it out on time, literally exploded in my hand. And so that was, it was bad. That was bad. But Kelly and I, we just thought, you know what? We're at the top of the packing order. And what we wanted more than anything was to be feared. And we thought, hey, we, we took, you know, two years of it. And so now we're the ninth graders. And so I remember... We, for some reason or another, we dressed up to go to ninth grade registration, which apparently is something you don't do. But we decided to ignore that. And so we were cool, and we were walking down the hallways of the, of the school, and we were get, you know, there for registration. All the tables were set up. And I just, for some reason, never forget, we're walking around together, and Kelly looks at me and he goes, you can tell they're all afraid of us. And... Uh, that, that was the highlight of my ninth grade year, right there. And so our identity was wrapped up in our pecking order. Our, our identity was wrapped up in uh, being feared by other people or, or, you know, being respected. And that was sort of our identity. And, you know, maybe you've attached your identity to things other than God, right? Other than your creator. And it's so easy to do, especially, I think, in this culture. We wrap our identity up, a lot of people, with their jobs, in fact, if, if you meet a guy for the first time, a lot of times guys do this, women don't do this so much, but guys do this, and they meet each other for the first time and they talk, and within the first few seconds, the question will be asked, so what do you do? What do you do? And you look, think about that question at face value. What do you do? That could be anything. I could breathe. I could sleep at night. I could watch whatever. I, could, I mean, what do you do is super broad, but every guy knows what that question means is, where do you work? What's your career? Because, you know, we wrap our lives up. We wrap our identities up in what, you know, what our earning power is and what we do and things like that. Um, some people wrap their identity up in their favorite music. 
They dress like the, they dress like the rock stars that they like and admire. And they, they wrap that up, you know. Uh, when I was in high school, a lot of guys would write the names of their bands on their folders and on their book covers, you know, and things like that. You know, every stoner had Metallica written on their book, on their, on their paper grocery sack book covers that we all used back in the day, right? And they had Metallica written on there, and there, was, and there were guys that would write Ozzy on their knuckles, you know. Did you have that? Oh, I thought you were like, yeah. Uh, you know, some people would have it tattooed, you know, because that was, that was how much they had their identity wrapped up in the, the music that they listened to. Now that, that we kind of live in a world where there isn't just sort of like a dozen things to wrap your identity up into, now there's like thousands because of YouTube and podcasts and all those things. And so people will, you know, uh, wrap their identity up in their podcast hosts, Right? Did y'all see my son's latest profile picture? <laughs> just giving you a hard time. He was, looked just like Dan, his favorite podcast host. And so, you know, it's like we, we wrap our identities up in our, our nerd obsessions, right? Our nerd things, that's our thing. We wrap our identities up in our clothing, the way that we dress and all those things. But no matter what it is, no matter what you Wrap your identity up in. No matter what it is, it cannot compare to a life that draws its identity from God. As we draw our identity from Him and sonship. Because here's the thing that I noticed. That, that the more that we wrap our identities up in God and who He is and who we are in Him, the less we get ruffled. Because when we wrap our identity up in these other things... We, we get ruffled because, because people poke at that identity, because people are abrasive to that identity, right? And so, like, you know, if somebody disses your favorite band and your whole identity is wrapped up in that, you're ready to fight, right? Or if somebody treats you in a way that's less than you think your tier of persona or your achievements deserve then we're like, I'm out of here, you know. I, I, there was a time, even in, in, you know, in the life of our church, where uh, we, there were people that, whose identity was wrapped up in their ministry, you know, and their giftings, and what God had gifted them, and talents that had give, given them. And because those talents weren't being expressed, they, were, they got really angry. They got really upset. You know, why aren't you using my talents? Well, if your identity wasn't wrapped up in your talents, you'd be like, hey, God, however you want to use me. And so, you know, it, it doesn't matter. When your identity is in him, then we don't get ruffled so much. We don't get so upset. And so uh, nothing compares to a life that is drawn, draws its identity from God. And so in the book, Jeff writes, we do bear the image of God. We contain his likeness. We are his children. When we grow in our understanding of his attributes, gaze upon his beauty, behold his glory, and progressively come to a better grasp of his character, we become more like him. We become more like him. I'm sure that Jesus never got upset because his carpentry skills weren't appreciated. <laughs> I'm just saying, right? I'm sure Jesus was like, hey, you know, I love you guys, but, you know, I got some other talents I'd like to express, not just healing. And so, you know, life is so much better in him. And so that's where we, I want my identity to be, 
right? And that's what I want my life to reflect. And so really quick, let's pray, and then I want to get into Scripture here. God, we love you so much. We praise you. We ask, God, that you would uh, open our eyes, that you would open, God, our hearts, open our minds, Lord. Let your word uh, just go deep in us today and bear good fruit. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so real quick, I've just got one verse, and it's 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, Contemplate the Lord's glory. You guys ever just kind of sit and contemplate the Lord's glory? Right? Just think about it. Just think about God's glory. As we do that, we're being transformed into His image. Transformed into His image. With ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is Spirit. Whew! Okay, there's a lot in that one verse. Like, you can, you can meditate on that verse for a week. If you remember one thing this morning, though, remember this. As we understand God to be, so we become. As we understand God to be, so we become. So what does that mean? That means if we want to become more like God, then we must gain a greater understanding of God. Right? All right. Our picture of God shapes our lives. Our picture of God, what we envision God as and his attributes, it shapes our life. Uh, which is why we should be moving forward and knowing him the best we can. Moving forward and knowing him the best we can, right? We should be people of prayer. He who prays stays. He who fasts lasts, right? Uh, one of my favorite quotes by A.W. Tozer, and you guys have heard me say it a hundred times, it's what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think of God is the most important thing about us. Y'all ever meet somebody who has this judgmental image of God? Like you meet somebody and, and, and you know, they're ready to, you know, God, God's just going to smite all the gays, right? And they might even go protest something or they might, you know, do this or that. Or they're always just really super judgmental, right? And, and sometimes they might even be the type of person who are just like, you know what, King James only, dude. King James only. You know, they might be kind of like that, or they're just super judgmental. Everybody who reads that uh, version of the Bible, that translation, everybody, they're going to hell. They're, getting, they're being deceived. And like, it's like, almost like this, this religion of anti, right? Against this, against that, against this, against that. Because they have this picture of God as just being so angry. Somehow or another, they missed that scripture that says that God's wrath was fulfilled. Somehow they just sort of like, you know, they just took that out of the Bible, and so they just imagine God as just being this angry, kind of judgmental, vengeful God. They, they pulled these, you know, these, these verses out of the Old Testament, and you know, God's just angry, and therefore I'm on God's side against everything and against everybody. And uh, at the same time, these people live under this sort of like condemnation where they're constantly beating themselves up for not measuring up even though Jesus measured up for them, right? And so they're beating on themselves, beating on themselves. Oh, what a horrible brand of Christianity, right? Oh, my goodness. Could you imagine going to an, a non-believer and trying to win them over to the, this vengeful, horrible God that's going to judge them constantly, right? Could you imagine that? Hey, come to my church so that we can hear the preacher talk about how bad all the other churches are. 
what, what, I mean, and that, that stems from an incorrect picture of God. It stems from an incorrect, okay? And so Augustine put it this way. He said, we become what we love. We become what we love. We become that pic- whatever picture of God that we have in our minds and in our hearts. We become that picture. And so uh, what are some things that we can know? And I just kind of actually want to break down a few things. What are some things that we can know about God and grow to become? And the first thing is this. God is a sovereign ruler. God is sovereign ruler. And what does that mean to me? It means that we can partner with God to make wise decisions. Okay? We can partner with God uh, because with him we, we, we rule our lives. Right? And of course, we give God kingship, we give God Lord, He rules our lives, but you know what? We're not ruled by other things. We're not ruled, you know, we, we rule our lives. And how do we rule our lives? One of the ways we rule our lives is, guess what? Here's something really simple. We set goals and we accomplish great things. That's one of the ways that we rule our lives, right? Got really quiet because, because a lot of us don't set goals, do we? A lot of us sort of drift through life. We don't have metrics that we live by. We don't have health goals, financial goals, relationship goals. We don't do those things. And instead, what happens when we don't have goals? Then we are ruled by circumstances. Then we're ruled by circumstances. Circumstances then determine our path. Circumstances determine our lives. And that's why it's so important that we learn to rule our lives. Of course, we're ruled by Christ. I'm not telling anybody here... Well, Lee told us that God doesn't rule our lives. I'm not saying that, okay? Y'all, religious people. And so, <laughs> what I'm saying is, we set goals. We partner with the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, the other thing that we we rule over our thoughts. We rule over our thoughts. God has told us to take our thoughts in captivity. To take our thoughts captive, Right? So, because God is sovereign ruler, we can be ruler over our thoughts instead of our thoughts steamrolling us. Okay? We rule over our thoughts. We are not meant to be ruled by addiction. We are not meant to be ruled by anxiety. We are not meant to be ruled by these things. Instead, we are meant to rule over those things. To rule over our thoughts. We are not victims of our circumstances We are victors and we are conquerors. Christ tells us that we are conquerors and we need to live as conquerors and not as conquered people. I'll never forget uh, a guy that I knew had had a vision, had a dream, and he decided to write it down. And in his dream, uh, the, the devil had people in chains, just sort of like you've probably seen in the movies, you know, where slaves have the shekels around their neck and then a chain and shekels around their neck. And the devil's just leading these people along and the shackles and the chains were addiction. The shackles and the chains were pornography. The shackles and the chains were substance addictions. The shackles and the chains were, uh, uh, you know, codependent relationships and being ruled that way, you know. And... Uh, and it's, it's so funny because that, that really is a, an accurate picture, and that is not how God called us to live. Jesus didn't go to that so that we could live that way in chains and in shame, right? He's called us to be conquerors, and so God is a sovereign ruler, and he calls us 
to be rulers over our thoughts, over our lives, okay? Because, okay, let's go to the next one. <laughs> I don't want to keep you here all day. So, next thing is, is God knows everything. Does that mean that you're going to know everything? Probably not, okay? You might know a lot. Some people think they know more than they really know. But God has given us the ability to grow in knowledge and wisdom. He's given this muscle in our head so that we can grow in knowledge, so that we can grow in wisdom. Our growth in knowledge is so important to God. There are 39 verses in Proverbs that encourage us to grow in knowledge, grow in knowledge, grow in knowledge. And we don't grow in knowledge so that we can think we're smarter than other people, right? You all know one of the dangers of growing in knowledge is pride, right? Knowledge comes with pride. But to humbly grow in knowledge, to humbly grow in knowledge, right? Because ignorance gives strength to the enemy. Ignorance gives the enemy power over us. When we don't know that we're rulers, when we don't know that we're set free, when we don't know that God loves us unconditionally and forgives our sins and wants to bless us and be a good father to us, when we don't know that, when we're ignorant to that, then we just think, oh, I'm just, this is just humble, this is just my lot in life. Right? And we even attach, like, spiritual things to that. Oh, I'm just humble. I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm satisfied. God just gives me all I need for just today, right now. That's fine. Okay, that's fine. That's a great way to just drift into complacency or drift into poverty or drift into addiction or drift into other things. Okay? But, but God, uh, he wants us to grow in knowledge. We don't want to give power over the enemy simply because we're ignorant, simply because we don't know the truth. Okay? So grow in knowledge. God knows this. He tells us to grow in knowledge in his word. All right? So the third thing is, is God has infinite power and strength. <laughs> Wouldn't it be awesome if you're like, yeah, me too. Infinite power and strength. You know, it's like Superman. Uh, no, but what God does is he gives us the ability to apply ourselves, and every time we do, we become stronger. We overcome greater obstacles. We overcome greater challenges. Isn't that awesome? I mean, think about the challenges you faced when you were 17 years old. Like, I remember when I was 17, my parents told me I had to buy my own car insurance. I thought I was going to die. Are you kidding me? How unfair. That's terrible, right? I just, that's, I, I was devastated. I have prayer journals from back in that day going, God, that's so unfair. Ah, what am I going to do? But guess what? Over the years, I've grown in power. I've grown in strength. I've grown in endurance. And I look at that and I go, I wish that was my biggest problem today. Right? Because I've grown. And God has this way. He built us in such a way that resistance causes us to grow stronger. Same thing if you go to the gym. Right? What if all you ever did was go to the gym and do the bar? Just an empty... It's 45 pounds right? And you just work the bar and that was it. And for years, you're just doing the same routine, just working the bar, never adding weight. Well, I mean, that's fine. Your body's in motion, you know, which is more than a lot of people's are. But, you know, you're not going to grow in strength. You're not going to get much stronger. And so God created us so that resistance causes us to grow in strength, to grow in power, right? And so God has infinite power and strength. And God gives us the strength and gives us the power to overcome obstacles, to overcome things that get in our way, to overcome challenges. 
Wouldn't that be awful if we couldn't, when, when challenges came along, we couldn't overcome them? That we just fell to every challenge, right? That'd be bad, bad news. It's funny how the obstacles that we thought were going to end us become insignificant as we grow stronger. We were made to grow stronger. You were made to grow stronger. That obstacle that you are facing right now, that challenge that you're facing right now, that financial difficulty, that relationship challenge, that job challenge, that educational challenge, where you're like, I'm never going to get this, right? That, that there is, is there, and you can grow stronger. It's there to make you stronger. He's there to give you strength when we need it. God is there to give us strength, Okay? I love it that he gives us strength. There's so many things. Ten years ago, I could barely wrap my brain around. And I just literally had to pray, God, help me understand this. I do that every time I have to do QuickBooks. <laughs> God, help me understand this, please. What's the difference between this and this and this transaction and that transaction? You know, but guess what? I'm growing. I'm growing in it. And Linda is very happy. Yeah, I'm growing. As our church treasurer, she's very happy about that. And so, but God gives us power. He gives us strength to grow, to overcome obstacles, to keep on growing. The nice thing is, is God is creative, right? God created the universe. I love that. Every time I, we talked about the Grand Canyon earlier, but when I look at nature so many times, I'm like, God is so creative. He's amazing. We were driving down the road the other day, and there was an eagle that I swear looked like a child in an eagle costume. It was so big. And it's, and it's there on, in the field, and it, and it takes flight, you know. And I'm just like, oh, God's creation is so awesome, right? God is so creative. Created the universe. I like to say he sneezed it out. He's just so creative. Stars. You know, he spoke it into existence. He, you know, he, he created it here first, right? God thought of it here first, and then he went to work and made it happen. And so we have the ability to create something in our minds, to imagine it there, right? And then to go to work and make it happen. This church was an idea, right? It was kind of Pat's idea, kind of my idea, kind of Wendy's idea. We kind of shared ideas. And then guess what? We prayed and we went to work, right? I know some of y'all, you had massive life changes and it started with an idea. I know one guy here was in a job he didn't care for, had an idea to completely change careers. Then he went to work, went to school, to classes that would make my brain bleed, all these things, and started a new career, loving it. Started up here, right? Some people here had massive relationship twists, didn't know how they were going to support themselves and their family, had an idea. I'll go do that. And now they're doing it, right? And so God is creative. And so that book that y'all want to write, some of you do, that business that you want to start, that family dynamic, the that ministry that you want to start, that outreach, uh, you know, it starts up here, and then we go to work. We can design. We can create works of art. Awesome. We have, we have musicians here. Dan's song just dropped. Right? Okay? The creativity inside of Dan is only because God is creative. 
Now, Dan had to learn a bunch of stuff, how to sing, how to mix, how to record, how to all that stuff. But that creative seed is from God. It's from God, right? And so God is creative. We can design. We can do those things. We can make things that reflect the beauty of God's creation. God also creates laws and systems. Did you know that? That God is actually a God of order. He creates systems and laws. He created our law of gravity, right? He creates those things. And we can do those things too. We can create systems and laws as well so that things run smoothly. If you don't believe me, volunteer at camp. Right? If, if Wendy and the camp board was to take the approach of, y'all just show up, you know, it'll be all right. Just organic. It's just natural. We're just being authentic. It would be freaking utter chaos. It would be every volunteer would go, I'm never coming back to this ever again. I got my hair pulled out. I got peed on. It was just, it was horrible. And that was on a good day, right? So we create laws, we create rules, we create systems so that things run smooth. That's actually a God thing, right? At the church here, we have church bylaws. We have a church constitution. We have a board that meets and keeps board minutes. We have policies and procedures. Because if we didn't, we would have closed the door a long time ago. Or we'd have a bunch of nut jobs leading stuff offending people, and then leaving, okay? That's just a, a little bit of reality statement there. My bad if that stepped on anybody's toes. But uh, let's just be honest. Church plants uh, attract uh, unusual people, unique people, unique people. Uh, I'll never forget, it was our second Sunday. Our second Sunday ever! Second Sunday. And there was a... a uh, uh, no, 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 actually, I'll go back. Let's go back to the first Sunday, our very first Sunday. Very first Sunday ever, okay? We had uh, a lot of people in here because it was our first Sunday. We had about 166 people in here over two services. We did two services, and there was a guy who showed up and went up to our hospitality director who was there at that table welcoming everybody as they came in and asked if he could speak this morning. What? What? Now, could you imagine if we would not have had rules and processes to come along and go, no, right? Then that could have caused, we don't know what he, would, what he would have said. We had no idea what he would have said. Our second Sunday, we had somebody come up to me, uh, never seen them before in my entire life, it was their first time here, and, and asked if they could lead worship. What? And so uh, we had to go, no, we actually have processes in place so that you can receive training, so that we know that your heart is where our heart is, so that, you know, all those things. Processes uh, keep things running smoothly. Processes keep things from falling apart. And so uh, that is real, literally just part of God's creativity. He creates processes. He creates laws so that things go smoothly. don't fall apart. God holds the world together. And then the last thing is this, is that God is loving. God is loving. God's desire for us is to love and care for each other, for the well-being of others. You know, because God is loving, naturally we, have lo we love our families, don't we? Anybody here have kids? When, I had my, when, when my oldest son was born, I got a glimpse at the loving heart of God like I'd never had in my entire life. Never had in my entire life. I thought I knew about God's loving nature, but I didn't know a thing until my son was born. 
And he was laying in the bassinet, and I'm just staring at him. He's breathing. Now I let the cat breathe in my ear, because I think it's cute. Cat's all breathing and purring. But my son's down there, and he's just breathing, and I'm just, I just listen. I get up close, and I listen to his tiny little nose whistle, breathing. He's just newborn. He's just a few days old. He's in his bassinet. He got wrapped up like a burrito. He can't even move his arms. And he's just breathing down there. And I'm just looking at him, and I'd reach down. I'd, I'd smell his head. Smell his head. Sorry, Ryan. I know I've been doing that to Malachi, but uh, <laughs> I walk up to, to Malachi and smell his head. But it's just, you know, Forrest, I just smell his head, and I kiss him. And, and my thought was, I just can't believe I can love anything like this. I have never loved anyone or anything like this in my entire life. This is crazy. And it gave me a glimpse at the heart of God. And so God is loving. His desire for us is to love and to care for the well-being of others. When we love, we are like Jesus. When we love, we are like Jesus. Mark chapter 12, verses 29 through 31. Remember, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but Jesus is talking about the most important commandment. He says, it's this. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Jesus is saying, listen, there is nothing, nothing, nothing more important than love. Nothing. Loving God and loving others. Loving God and loving others. I know sometimes it's difficult to love others. And that's a great opportunity to get before the Lord and say, God, put your heart in me. Help me to see others the way that you see them. Help me to love others the way that you love them. Help me to, to be you know, like Jesus, to be more forgiving, to be more compassionate, to be more patient, right? To, to actually enjoy the company of others and love others. That's a big thing, you know? And so God wants us to be more like him. And so what I want to do as we close today is um, all I want you to do is, if you have your notes or whatever, but I want you to just write down one or two, just one. Let's just go with one. One of these attributes. And then just make it like an intentional practice to practice that attribute this week. So somehow, right? And so maybe it's to rule over your decisions, to take greater rulership over your life, over your habits, over all those things, right? Maybe it's uh, to grow in knowledge this week, right? Or maybe it's um, to just be, get before the Lord and pray for strength over something that you're going through right now. Push through something that, tech, that typically pushes on you, right? Or to create, to be creative in some way. And creative doesn't always mean paint a picture or write a song, right? You know, and so I hope we, kinda, I hope we covered that earlier. But to create... Or to just to love others better. And so uh, I want you to take time and do that. So let's go ahead and pray. And uh, worship team, you all wanted to come back. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your attributes, for all that you are. And God, I thank you that you created us to exercise those attributes. You created us to have those things, to, to, to uh, take our thoughts captive, to rule over our thoughts, God, to, to grow in knowledge, God, to, to have greater strength, 
Lord, to be loving. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, this morning, we just want to be more like you. Would you just make that your prayer this morning? God, make me more like you. Make me more like you. Help me, God, to be more and more like you. God, we love you. In Jesus' name.